morning's scripture will come from Matthew, the 22nd chapter, verses 34 through 40. If you'd like to follow along in one of the pew Bibles, it can be found at the bottom of page 872 and continuing to 873. Matthew chapter 22, 34 through 40. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him and saying, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. It's a joy for me to uh, tell you that it is that time of year again, supply in July. And uh, we are, of course, uh, on the second greatest command uh, Sunday today. It's not the only day that we follow the second greatest command, but it's definitely a day where we want to highlight it, emphasize it, and ask ourselves, are we loving our neighbor as we love ourselves uh, here at Mount Juliet? Uh, if you don't know what Supply in July is, that might be a real possibility. We've had 124 people and 60-plus families joined since last year uh, when we had Supply in July. So if you don't know what it is, it is an uh, annual school supply drive program put on by this congregation at Mount Juliet. We work with eight local elementary schools, and those schools uh, give us referrals for students that we can shop for. And of course, we keep them anonymous and everything. It works a lot like Angel Tree does if you've ever uh, participated in that program. Uh, but each, each of our members has a chance to shop for these students. We outfit them with uh, supplies, with shoes, clothes, a jacket or a sweater, and a backpack. And every student, it's really awesome to, uh, to hear the schools uh, give us feedback and just talk about how thankful they are uh, that, that a lot of these students who may not have had supplies going into the year not only have the ones that they need, but the ones that are specific to uh, their grade and their school, and they also have uh, shoes and clothes and so forth. Uh, this year we have 72 students that we are shopping for, and if you would like to shop for a student or support one, here's how. Uh, we moved the board. It's over by the nursery. Uh, there's a giant board with a lot of envelopes on it, white envelopes, uh, right outside in the foyer. So after this service or after Bible class sometime today uh, or tonight, you can stop by the Supply in July board and you can take one of the packets on the board. Uh, there will be a post-it note on each packet. Just write your name on that post-it note and leave the note so we know who got the uh, uh, your specific packet and then the packet's all yours. Uh, there's a lot of instructions and everything you need to know uh, within that packet and you have until July 22nd. So you got a little under a month uh, to shop for your students, to gather supplies, to bring them back to the church. Uh, be prepared to spend about 100 to $150 on your student. Uh, if that's a lot, uh, don't worry. A lot of families here will go in together. We'll have two or three families go in on one packet. You can all shop together. Uh, Bible classes have been known to take one as well. So you may team up with other families and members uh, to shop for your student. If you're a visitor and you want to participate in this, I encourage you to, uh, but I suggest that you find a member first uh, who's taking a packet. Reason to be in, because I don't have your contact information. If I don't know who had the packet, it's 
It's a long process to track you down. We've had to do that before. Uh, but you can team up with a member. And then, of course, if you can't shop or anything like that, but you would like to make a check, uh, make that check out to Mount Juliet Church of Christ. You can give it to me or any elder and tell them it's for the school supply. And we'll make sure uh, that a student gets supplies from that. Uh, what can you be doing for supply in July? Well, first of all, you can support a student. Uh, second of all, and just as important, you can be praying that uh, this work goes well. It's always, uh, it's always blessed us and hopefully blessed the schools and the students in our community. Uh, you can be praying about that with your family and in your own personal studies. Uh, but really hope that you will be able to support a student and uh, be praying that we can reach out to our community in this way. Thank you. Good morning. It is good to see each of you. If you're a guest, again, we welcome you. It does encourage us that you're here, and we hope that we can be an encouragement to you. Uh, welcome to an emphasis on the second greatest commandment day, but yet this morning we'll spend more time on the first greatest commandment to set up a better understanding of the second greatest commandment. And tonight, uh, John Michael will be preaching especially on that theme of the second greatest commandment. It is exciting to think about supply in July and to think about that there are individuals uh, around us in this community right now that are probably dreading the beginning of school. How are we going to afford things? How can we make this all come together? And to think that the generosity that God teaches us to share with others can bring such a relief and also can bring such an encouragement, but perhaps best of all, can help people see the love of God. And that's ultimately what this is all about, is to love others the way God has taught us to love. It is the how factor that we will address this morning. Allow me just quickly to mention a few things. We would be sorely amiss if we didn't mention to all of our kids, thank you for making VBS a great success. You being here was a great encouragement and you inviting your friends was a great success. Thank you to all of the teachers. Thank you to Tim Martin, an amazing job leading that. And also Christy and Tara that worked for, those three have worked for months upon months, most of the year. And, uh, and then young, and old, youth and, and all the way up to some of our oldest members and everywhere in between gave so much time. It really is wonderful to see a family of God come together uh, with great success, nearing 500 kids, and that doesn't count at the end of July. We'll have our teen VBS that will take the total of VBS this year, probably over 600 children. And uh, glory be to God, it's just amazing the seeds that are be being planted. I believe that if Jesus were on this earth, Jesus would be right in the middle of Vacation Bible School to be able to accept children, to love them, and to plant seeds in their life. What a wonderful thing. Quickly, let me mention to you that Chisel will begin at 1 o'clock. Young men, high school and college age, if you're planning on coming on the way inside the building, put your luggage in the buses and come into 100 A, B, and at 1 o'clock we'll begin. Young ladies that will be participating in Sculpt, it will begin tonight following the evening service also in 100 AB. Do keep in mind uh, that the buses will be in the rear normally where they are there under the shed for you to load your luggage on the way in. See Tracy, uh, Shannon, if you need more information about schedule and, uh, and, and phone numbers and things like that uh, for that. 
we're sorely disappointed in the Supreme Court's ruling this past Friday uh, that uh, same-sex couples in all 50 states now uh, would be able to marry and that that ruling would be forced upon all the states. Uh, very sad, very, very sad day uh, for America. How do we handle that? What do we do with it? What would God have us to do? The first greatest commandment. Jesus said, in result to a lawyer asking him in Matthew, the 22nd chapter, the lawyer asked, what is the great commandment? Now we know that his motive was dishonorable. He was trying to trip Jesus up and, and hinder the success that he'd been having and the authority in which he had spoken. Can we do something to undermine Jesus was literally the root of this question. Now I would go ahead and at least say one thing for the lawyer, he was wise. You see the two paragraphs before this in Matthew the 22nd chapter, the Pharisees and the Sadducees both had tried to trip up Jesus and they gave a little bit more longer and complicated scenarios. And you gotta hand it to the wisdom of just going really simple. And so this Pharisee that was a lawyer decided, you know what, he's already taken down a Pharisee and he's taken down a Sadducee, if you will, in like a debate situation. Let me step up with something that's really wise and really simple. Jesus, can you tell me the greatest commandment? Out of all the commandments, can you tell me the greatest one? And let's look again. Notice Jesus' answer in 37. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind. Now notice Jesus' summary of this. This is the first and great commandment. Now Jesus goes ahead and he ranks another commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And then he points to the ranking again. In verse 40, when he says, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Sometimes when we talk about first and great, we speak of it in the sense of something that has excelled and has become first place. In other words, if we were going to speak of a race, in most situations, it's who has the shortest amount of time to finish a course. And we say, look, that, they're in first place. That's the greatest runner today. And I know I'm telling you something that's common sense, but I just want to remind you this morning. When they asked Jesus what was the greatest commandment, and he said, I can tell you one that's first. He's giving the order of rank, of authority, of importance. In other words, commandments aren't in races. He's picking out to say there is a commandment that must be approached before all other commandments can be properly understood. In other words, Jesus is saying, you can't properly obey the second commandment to love yourself and love your neighbor as yourself if you have not properly placed this commandment of loving God first in your life. Placing this first then causes you to say, Lord, I'll let you be my Lord. You can reign in my life. 
I will submit to you in everything. And so then, any other topic we bring to Jesus, and Jesus says, I would recommend immediately you must bring the second greatest. Okay, what is it, Lord? Now think about how you're going to treat each other. If the Lord is Lord of my life, now the way I treat each other is not based upon how do I feel about you. What would the popular opinion be that I should treat you? Instead, I would treat you based upon God. How do you want me to treat them? God, if they're my enemy, how do you want me to treat my enemy? God, if they are my spouse, how do you want me to treat my spouse? God, if they're my co-worker, and we can just fill in the blank with everybody, even ourselves. God, how do you want me to identify myself, to love myself, to live within my life? How do you want it? The rank is everything. There are many people, perhaps they don't know this, perhaps they don't understand this, or perhaps they rebel against it. But there are many people that would say, I believe that there's a God. And to some degree of understanding, they would, quote, like God. In other words, they might even say, I love God. But notice what God is pointing out here is that if our love for him isn't greater than all other, we don't really have the relationship with God that we are to have. God cannot be a second or third or fourth place love in our life. And so to understand this becomes of a huge significance. Let me give you one more just quick reminder. You remember the Ten Commandments under the Old Covenant? You remember they break down very cleanly. The first four are about man's relationship with God. The next six are about man's relationship with each other. You see why they're that way, right? There is a reason why the first four commandments of the Ten Commandments are the first four. There was a reason why those first four were not six through ten. They must be one through four because that is what sets the standard for how, are you listening? For how we approach everything else. And I, I know this is kind of strange. It almost sounds like a little Dr. Seuss, except you realize I'm not nearly as good as Dr. Seuss. The slide here, the first commandment, not second, but first, not third, but first. Why does order matter? You see from things we've already discussed of Jesus saying the first grace commandment or going back and looking at the, the 10 commandments. Why does order matter? Order is everything if the Lord is to be Lord of our life. Now, this next slide, if we can grasp this from the authority of the Lord, we will do all right in our life and everything. No matter what a Supreme Court rules, no matter what popular opinion is, no matter how we wrestle our flesh, if we can understand and live by this, everything is going to be okay. It's not just what we think, but how we think that is important. It's not most important today what I or what you think about gender or race identity that matters. It's not what I think or what you think that defines marriage today that is most important. Because if those things were most important, when they asked Jesus, what's the first and greatest commandment? 
Those were issues in that day and time too. He would have answered with one of those. There was sharp prejudice in that day and time. There were problems with marriage in that day and time. And so as we, we think, why didn't Jesus, when asked, what is the greatest commandment? Why didn't he answer with one of the hot topics of the day? What do you and I need to feel about a Supreme Court ruling? What do we need to feel about Rachel Dalzell or Caitlyn Jenner? Why didn't Jesus answer this simple commandment with one of the hot topics of the day? Because the what in our thinking is always determined by the how. Do you remember in 1 Corinthians, the 14th chapter, there were those that could speak in tongues. And the what was how they used that gift. And they were misusing that gift. And so Paul wrote to them to correct them about what were the ways they needed to make corrections. And we read toward the end of 1 Corinthians, the 14th chapter, some very clear teaching about it. Someone was speaking in tongues. They were not to do so Without interpreter, they were to take turns and no more than three. And same thing, he gave some guidelines to those prophesying. And he told exactly, very similar, that, that not on top of each other, take turns, no more than three. And then he even spoke to women and he said, I want you to keep silent in the church. But at the end of that, he stopped addressing the what's and he gave a how. And the verse simply says, and this is the conclusion of this part of this, of this chapter, and, and he says in 1 Corinthians 14, 40, let all, how much? All. Let all things be done decently and in order. God, what do you mean when you say do it in order? There is a rank. There is an authority. There is a priority. And it comes down to this. Who is going to rule your life? You and I can breathe easy after last Friday's ruling because a Supreme Court on earth does not rule our life. Popular vote does not rule our life. What celebrities tweet does not rule our life. And so what it comes down to is we can decide to let them rule our life. Or we could listen to the Lord and him say, I want you to love me with all of your heart, your soul, and your mind. And if you'll let this be the first and great commandment, are you ready for this? I will teach you how to think. And when we learn how to think, we then learn the righteous and almighty wisdom of what to think. Let's read what Francis Schaeffer said. He said, the mass of people have received the new way of thinking through the mass media without analyzing it. It is worse for them because they have been smashed in the face by it because the cinema television, the books they read, the press, magazines, have been infiltrated by the new thoughts, forms, in an unanalyzed way. 
the reason why Christians are not understanding their own children, and I, I, I kind of hate the way he does that because he sets it up as if our children are not faithful. And I know in this congregation we have a lot of children that are faithful, and, and, and then he's making it sound like adult Christians wouldn't be unfaithful. And so just run with this and see what he's trying to say, but I don't agree exactly with the way he's saying it here. But he says the reason why Christians are not understanding their own children is because the children are being educated into the other way of thinking. It is not merely that they think different things. They think differently. Now that ending is brilliant. Do you see the point that he's making? We bang our head against a wall that's never going to change. When we think all we need to do is just continually talk to that coworker at work about what to think. You need to believe that homosexual marriage is wrong. You need to believe that. You need to believe that. You need to believe that. Oh, I've said that every day for a year and they won't believe it. Why? Because how they think, not what they think, their thinking is not based upon a higher standard. Their thinking is based upon personal feelings, majority understanding and even the deception that Satan would spill over into a culture and into a society. You see, if we want to change what people think about any topic, we must change how they think. Who is going to be their standard? Will they follow the Lord first because if they will, the Lord will teach us and instruct us how to interact with everyone and with every institution. Let me read to you, and I almost hesitate to do this, but I can't, I can't help but illustrate this. And, and so don't get caught up in who's saying it. I just want you to see two examples. If you're like me, you've read a lot of articles this week. And... and just in the last few days, you, you've had a lot of emotions and, and perhaps even anger run through your mind. But I just want you to pause for a moment. And as we read this, I just want you to see two different quotes. And I want you to not jump immediately to what they believe. All I want you to see is what they believe is tied to the how. How they think determines what they believe. Okay, let's read what Frank Perkins said. No court can overturn natural law. Nature and nature's God, held by the signers of our Declaration of Independence as the very source of law, cannot be usurped by the edict of our court, even the United States Supreme Court. Sounds like he doesn't think that the Supreme Court makes a ruling in our lives about what's right and wrong. Instead, his thinking is based upon the how he thinks goes back to the belief that there is a God who created nature. All right, now let's read what our president said as a result of this ruling on Friday. He said, this ruling is a victory for America. Is that, is that true? And if it's not true, how could someone be so wrong about defining a victory? Well, where did he get this notion? This decision affirms what millions of Americans already believe in their hearts. When all Americans are truly treated as equal, we are more free. So where's the standard for this being a victory? Because millions believe in their heart 
I mentioned to you a good while back, we really made a horrible mistake if we had anything to do with coining the phrase traditional marriage because it made it sound like that this is nothing more than an earthly tradition. How we think, who is our standard, who is our God, makes all of the difference. Go back, if you will, to Matthew 22. I'd like for you to notice verse 36 again. The one answering, asking this question said, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And notice when he said this, it was a lawyer that said it. I want you to drop down, and, and if I'm going to read it on the screen, but if you want to turn to Luke, the 11th chapter, and verse 52. It's interesting that a lawyer is called out in this. And it's interesting that a lot that's on our mind this week is about uh, from justices in a, in a court system. And notice, uh, if, if you've never taken the time uh, to carefully study Luke the 11th chapter, and if you've sometimes wondered, hey, what's the difference in a Pharisee and what's the difference in a Pharisaical lawyer? There's really an interesting passage here where he's been talking to the Pharisees, but then he calls out the lawyer. Because, see, the Pharisees were experts in law, but the lawyers that were Pharisees were not only experts in law, but they bound the law upon people. And so in this Luke, the 11th chapter, Jesus is calling them out because they have made much more laws, for example, like the Sabbath. They made a lot more laws than God ever made about the Sabbath. They made a lot more laws about washings and cleansings than God ever made. They even took, and, and the prophets that their fathers killed, they decorated their tombs, and Jesus calls them out and says, instead of decorating them, you should have honored them by living by the way they taught. In other words, look at the hypocrisy. You decorate their tomb, and then you live against the very words that they taught. And so he's calling the lawyers out here, and the summary of calling out the lawyers is here in verse 52. Woe to you lawyers, for you have taken away the key of knowledge. You did not enter in yourselves, and those who were entering in you hindered. Notice, there was knowledge. And what Jesus is strongly implying here is, you gave knowledge that hindered you going into the kingdom and others going into the kingdom. If you would have allowed God to be your standard, then you could have lived your life properly, and you could have helped others. Your thinking was flawed because how you approached life. You approached life thinking, I'm a Pharisee. I know everything I need to know. And not only that, I'm a lawyer that's a Pharisee. I have authority in people that know everything. And so Jesus calls him out and says, your how is all wrong. The answers aren't found in you. The answer is found in God. Now, when we go back to Matthew, the 22nd chapter, again, just a, a quick reminder in 38 there, when the Lord said, this is the first and great commandment, and you drop back a verse, and he quoted, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. I, let me state something that, as I state it, if you haven't thought it, you'll be like, yeah, that's right. When we hear that verse... If you know the scriptures much at all, you may think in your mind, oh, that's, that's in the New Testament. That's Matthew, the 22nd chapter. But you realize when this was first said, Matthew, nor Mark, nor Luke, nor John, 
None of those were written. None of the New Testament was written when Jesus is saying this. And so when the lawyer comes and he says, hey, can you pick out of all the commandments, can you pick out one that's the greatest? When Jesus says, yes, I can, he quotes Deuteronomy 6. And you better believe not only the verse, but the context would immediately come to mind of this lawyer and other Pharisees. So in essence, what he was doing was not only picking out the greatest commandment, but because of the context of Deuteronomy 6, there would have been a lot more depth and understanding of what it really means to love God with all of your being that would have come to their mind because they would have known Deuteronomy 6 so well. So what I'd like to do is I'd like for us to scan the verses from Deuteronomy 6 verse 1 up to this verse just so you can see the context that they would have immediately thought of. Look in Deuteronomy 6 and 1. Now this is the commandment. And these are the statutes and the judgments which the Lord your God has commanded you to teach that. You may observe them. Look in verse 2. You may fear the Lord your God to keep all of his statutes and his commandments. Pause here. What does this sound like? I thought we were going to be studying about loving God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And yet it sounds like a plea to put God first in your life and obey everything because of your great fear your great reverence and respect for him. And you could have sat down with a Pharisee that would have been truthful with the law and the Pharisee would have said, that's exactly right. That's what it means to love God with all your being. You, you place him and you fear him. You have a great respect and you observe everything that he says. Drop down, look at verse three. Therefore hear, O Israel, and be careful to observe it. Drop down and read verse four. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Now we think about the Trinity of the Godhead, we think about one God, and, and perhaps that might have been some that was on his mind, but I assure you, the context here is lending itself to saying, because when he says, the Lord our God is one, the very next verse is love the Lord your God with how much of your heart? All. All your heart. All your mind. All your strength. And it's about loyalty and no divided interest. He's saying to Israel, I know you like some of your neighbor's pagan gods. And I know you say you're still serving the Almighty God. You can't serve the Almighty God some and a pagan God some. And that's his plea when he says, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And now our devotion to the one God must be singular also in devotion. When Jesus quoted this commandment, they would have thought and understood all that he was saying that this is the order in our life, that we approach everything through the authority of Jesus. So what did I learn today? Number one, I learned the order in my life determines how I think. When people do not submit to God, we cannot expect them to think or act like it. Number three, your behavior and beliefs 
reveal who rules or orders your life. And they pause here and just elaborate just for a moment. Maybe, maybe today you're, you're hearing this lesson, you're thinking, well, I wonder really who does rule in my life. The fruit of your life reveals who rules in it. Is your thinking about moral issues in line with God's teachings or do you constantly try to tweak and change and justify God's teachings to fit you? If that's what you're constantly doing, ultimately you're the first in your life and God is not. Your life, your behavior reveals who is ruling, what order God is in your life. And then finally, people can abandon their love for God, but they can't undo his law or his kingdom or his order. These will stand eternally. Let's bow in prayer. Our most gracious God, we thank you so much for being our God. And our prayer is, God, that in your wisdom that you would offer us, we would receive it. And we would place you first in order in our life. We pray that as we stand in a nation that has shifted, we pray, God, that you will give us wisdom we pray that we will love everyone as you have taught us to love. And we pray, God, that we will always have boldness to keep you first and foremost in our life. God, we pray that your church will prosper at all times. And we know that your kingdom is unshakable and that she shall stand. God. Please help us to never lose sight of who you are and who we are through you. It's through your son's name we pray, and amen. How will you think? I really beg you this week to give serious thought to that. I don't want to be a doom and gloom type guy. But over the next few weeks and months and years, you're going to find yourself at school or at work. And you're going to find yourself in a precarious situation. And it's ultimately going to come down to not what you think. It's going to come down to how you think. Are you going to allow God to rule and reign in your life no matter what? Love. Love all the way the Lord has taught. But stand with Him and everything that He's taught. This morning, are you ready to become a Christian? If you have made that decision and you're ready to be immersed into Christ as a believer, willing to repent and confess, we would be honored and excited this morning to assist you with that. Maybe you've begun that way and somewhere along the way, maybe the, the how you have lived your life isn't exactly what it needs to be. And this morning you want to come and you want to confess sin and you want to put the Lord number one in your life. When we get that right, the second greatest commandment always finds its place.